We continue in our studies of the things that Jesus taught us about God. And uh, these are very special things we want to remember. We're in Matthew chapter 17 for our text today. Matthew chapter 17. There are certain laws about fishing. And if you're going to choose fishing as a hobby or a pastime, you need to know those laws. And, it's, and I'm not talking about a fishing license or waiting for fishing season to open. I'm talking about the law of fishing that says sometimes the fish bite and sometimes they don't. And when you go fishing, you better be prepared to relax and enjoy the scenery because if the fish are not biting, there's not a lot of excitement watching a little red and white bobber float on the water for an hour or so. That's rule number one. Rule number two is fishing is a very random thing and it is unpredictable at best. I remember I went fishing with my brother in Montana. We were going to fish for a great big trout. And he said, there's a river, it's full of fish. And if we go at night, we'll catch a whole boatload. So naturally, I agreed. Come on, let's go. So we went and we launched the boat. We fished until 4 a.m. And all night, we caught one fish. Well, we went home and the ladies thought it was hilarious that we fished all night and caught one fish. We, however, were not that amused by it. (laughs) Last week we had people at our house fishing in our pond. And little Ellie brought a brand new fishing pole, a pink one, with a little tiny reel on it. And someone said if she catches a fish, the line on that thing will probably break. And her dad said, hey, that's a Walmart special. (laughs) So Ellie looked at it and said, what do you do with this thing, Dad? (laughs) Well, Dad cast in her line, and she tried to reel it in a little pink pole about this big. Guess who caught the first fish about five feet from shore? Little Ellie with her pink Walmart special pole. And the line did not break. Fishing is a random thing. I've seen people bring whole tackle boxes full of fishing lures and fish for hours and never even get a bite. Why, Nicholas was fishing at our pond there. He caught a turtle. So fishing is sort of a random exercise. You never know what's going to happen. Then, of course, rule number three, you might catch a fish you don't even want. When I was a kid, my father would fish in the ocean when we were on Cape Cod. He'd be fishing for flounder. And sometimes he'd catch what they call a flying fish. He said, these are no good to eat. So it was my job to bury any flying fishes in the sand. So that's fishing. Sometimes fish don't bite. Sometimes it's just random. Sometimes you get a fish that's worthless. And if you are easily discouraged, you might not want to take up fishing as a hobby. (laughs) In our text today, though, all the rules of fishing are broken. But you never know what will happen when Jesus gets involved in your circumstances. 
Now, as we come to our text, it involves another one of Jesus' miracles. Now, of course, Jesus did many miracles. Some were truly wonderful. He healed a man that was born blind and made him see. That was a wonderful thing. And he made a man to walk who was crippled for 38 years. How wonderful and compassionate were those miracles. Some of his miracles were amazing. He took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. That's amazing. He walked across the Sea of Galilee on top of the water. Truly amazing. But some of his miracles were simply stunning. He called Lazarus out of his grave after he was buried for four days. A stunning display of power. Healing blind men and lepers. Feeding 5,000. Raising the dead. Great miracles. But today we look at a very different miracle. It's really the only one that involves money. And not very much money. As a matter of fact, it's a paltry sum. And there are people who would say that this particular miracle is trivial. Hardly worth paying attention to. But you listen to me, my friends. Don't you ever believe that. Let me assure you, Jesus never did anything that was trivial. You and I waste our time with insignificant activities. True enough, we're guilty of trivial pursuit a good much of our lives. But never Jesus. Everything he did was full of instruction and full of meaning. So don't be fooled by people who rate the miracles of Jesus and say that the one we're about to look at was trivial. It certainly isn't. So let's dig in and find the truth about this wonderful little miracle. Matthew chapter 17, I begin reading at verse 24. And when they were come to Capernaum, they they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? Now last week we talked about the Pharisees' question to Jesus, Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus answered to the Pharisees, Render to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what belongs to God. But here, the question is quite different. The collector of this task asked Peter, Does your master, Jesus, pay the tribute? Now this is not a Roman tax. All right. Now you and I, we all know about government taxes, don't we? They tax our income, they tax our property, they tax our sales and our purchases. Ancient Rome wasn't all that different from New York State. (laughs) Kind of all the same. And today they tax us all our lives and when we die they tax us over again. They tax us more and more so they can waste it more and more and fritter it away. And Rome was no different. But this text in this passage, this is called a tribute, is not a government tax. It is rather what you and I would call an offering or a tithe. It's a gift to the church, and in those days the church was the temple. 
It was based on something that Moses did hundreds of years before when he was out in the desert. This is what Moses did. It tells us back in Exodus chapter 30. Everyone that passes among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more. The poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. Thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel, shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make atonement for your souls. Now it says that the purpose of this offering was to make an atonement for sin. Now you know as well as I do, that money cannot actually pay for sin. Instead, this money was considered a ransom. Now, ransom is money you pay for somebody's life. If someone is kidnapped, we pay a ransom or we exchange money for their life. The purpose of this offering was to remind everyone once a year, and you gave this offering once a year, to remind everyone that they were sinners and that the ancient law that was created before the world began was this, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And because we all sin, because we're born in sin, and sin is in our very nature, therefore we have forfeited our lives we sinned, and that law was applied, the soul that sinneth it shall die, and we have forfeited our right to live, and only God can change that and make us live. Therefore, to remind them of that, they paid a ransom once a year. It was a smaller amount. And if the rich man said, I could pay ten times that much, the answer came, no, no. And if a poor man said, I can't afford that, the answer was no. It was a small amount. Everybody had to pay the same thing. It was called a half a shekel, which in our money today would be right around a dollar, one dollar. Paid yearly to remind them that they owe their lives to God. And that money was used to maintain the temple and all of its services. In Jesus' time, this was considered a very patriotic thing to do. You were forced to pay Roman taxes, but this was a Jewish tax, and you paid it with pride. And the pride was, we're Jewish, not Roman. We support our own temple and our own place of worship. So this tax, this temple tax, was voluntary, you could choose whether or not you would pay. And so the men who collected the money found Peter, and they asked him, does your master pay the temple tax or not? Now the Pharisees and the scribes, who were the religious leader that day, had a lot of rules and regulations that they followed every day of their life. When they sat down to a meal, they washed their hands six or seven times during the meal. Jesus did not. 
They never would eat with someone that was a sinner. If they considered themselves someone a sinner, they separated themselves from that person. Jesus did not. They used to pray out loud on the street corners. Jesus did not. Jesus always ignored their rules and their regulations. And so they asked Peter, does he pay the temple tax? Or does he ignore it like all of our things? And does he refuse to pay it? Verse 25, Peter says, yes. Peter says, of course he pays a temple tax. Why wouldn't he? It's a very patriotic thing to do. Who are you kidding? Of course he pays that tax. Now, Peter really didn't know if Jesus paid that tax or not. He wasn't sure. But he said, yeah, of course he does. Why not? Let's read it here now, 25. He saith, yes. When they come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute, of their own children or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers, Jesus said unto him, Then the children are free. Now when Peter comes into the house, Jesus says, Hey, Peter, come here a minute. I got a question for you. When a king decides to make a new tax, Does he call his wife and his son and his daughter and say, here's a new tax, I'll pay up? Or does he give the new tax to his subjects, to the people of the kingdom, strangers he doesn't even know? Well, naturally, the tax is for the strangers. It's not for the family. So Peter answers, a king taxes strangers. Therefore, Jesus says, uh, the children are free. They don't have to pay because they're family. Now, what Jesus is telling Peter is this. Peter, I'm God's son. I'm free. I have no responsibility to pay this temple tax. Now, think about it. The text is a reminder that you are a sinner and your life is forfeit because of it, so you must pay a ransom. Jesus says, I'm God's son. I am not a sinner. I never sin. Therefore, my life is not forfeit and I don't have to pay a ransom for my life. I don't have to pay that tax. And the temple is my father's house. The money goes to my father's house, and I'm the son. The very reason you go there to that temple so that you can pray to God, and you can praise God, and you can worship God, and I have replaced the temple. You come straight to me. Therefore, I don't owe any temple tax. I'm God's son. I pay no ransom. My life is not forfeit. I am the temple. I am the dwelling place of God, and I need no maintenance. I do not have to pay that tax. But, verse 27, notwithstanding, 
lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea and cast a hook. Take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money that take and give unto them for me and thee. Now, Peter, I have explained to you why I don't owe this tribute money, this temple tax. But the men who collect the money might not understand my answer. So as not to offend them, I will pay the tax. I'm going to pay. But notice once again, it's wonderful. You always find Jesus in this position. He doesn't even have a dollar in his pocket. He doesn't have any money. Not even a dollar. So he tells Peter, go down to the lake to see a galley, which is right there on the shore, and throw in a hook and line. Go fishing. The first fish you catch will have a $2 coin in its mouth. Take that coin and pay both your tax and mine. Now Jesus just said he was the son of God. That's why he didn't have to pay that ransom tax. So, Peter, go fishing. You'll catch a fish with money in its mouth, and that's the miracle. Now, listen, my friends. All three rules of fishing are broken. Number one rule is the fish don't always bite. Number two rule is very random. And number three, some fish aren't worth anything. Well, not this time. <laughs> yes, Peter, number one, you will catch a fish, I guarantee. And number two, it's going to be a very special fish, not a random fish. As a matter of fact, it's exactly a fish that I have planned for you to catch. And number three, it will have money in its mouth. It's valuable. I just love it. That's a wonderful miracle. My friends, most certainly, without doubt, Jesus is the Son of God. Think about it now. Some poor fella was out fishing and he had a $2 coin stuck in his pocket. And as he leaned over the edge of the boat, that $2 coin fell out of his pocket and into the water. Jesus knew not only that he had dropped the coin into the lake, he also knew what denomination that coin was. And Jesus sent a fish. Just like when Jonah was thrown overboard, it says that God sent a fish just in time to swallow up Jonah. Once again, God sent a fish, and as that coin, that silver coin, flipped around and sank towards the bottom of the lake, the fish came along. And it grabbed that coin out of the water. But the best of all, <laughs> here's the whole Sea of Galilee. And Peter's going to throw a hook and line into that old great big sea. And the first bite, the very first fish, the very one that swallowed the $2 coin, and Peter throws in his line, gets a bite, sets the hook, pulls in the line, grabs the fish, and opens that fish's mouth. And there inside the fish's mouth, is a two dollar coin 
<laughs> Jesus is omniscient. That he's all-knowing. He knows about the drop coin. He knows it's a $2 coin. He has power over nature. And he controls even the fishes down under the sea. And sends him to swallow the coin. And that fish keeps the coin in its mouth, strangely enough. I've watched fish spit things out. They don't want mainly hooks. <laughs> that fish kept that coin in his mouth till Peter tosses his line into the lake. And God says, there's that with a fish Get that line, and it's done. And Peter caught the fish and found the money. And you and I understand Jesus is a son of God, all-knowing, all-powerful son of God, and he can make that happen. Now, my friends, the best part of the story, though, is what Jesus says last to Peter. Take the money and pay for you and for me, I don't have to pay this tax, but I choose to. I don't have to. It's voluntary. So I volunteer to pay that ransom. Therefore, when I volunteer, my life is forfeit. And Peter, there's a $2 coin. I'm also going to pay for you. My friends, Jesus didn't have to die on that cross. But he chose to. He forfeited his life. He paid Peter's ransom tax. My friends, he has paid for you and for me too. What a wonderful Savior we have. In love, yes, in love, in love, Jesus forfeited his own life to buy back ours. We forfeited our lives because of sin. He forfeited his life because of love. There's an old song we used to sing. It says, all my iniquities on him were laid. He nailed them all to the tree. Jesus, the debt of my sin fully paid. He paid the ransom for me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now we know what it means to catch a fish Jesus style. huh? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for paying for me. My friends, a reminder to you that your life is forfeit unless the ransom is paid. And Jesus is willing to pay the price. Just ask him. He'd gladly pay for you. And when you find peace and joy in Jesus' payment, then you can say thank you, Jesus, for the coin in the fish's mouth. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for opening your heart to us, teaching us a lesson by a fish with a coin in its mouth that you are willing to pay a price for us, that you didn't have to, but you were more than willing and you gladly did it. And we're grateful to you down deep in our hearts for these blessings. Now, we ask that you will touch our hearts that we will remember what you did for us, and that it will stick with us 
wherever we go, we'll be happy and grateful down deep inside. Carry it with us that Jesus paid the ransom for me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Bless these people, Lord, as they come and as they consider these things. May they find them rich and wonderful. That this little miracle of the coin in the fish's mouth will carry us from time to time and teach us always to remember how good Jesus is. Bless us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We'll sing Jesus Paid It All. Right on the front of your bulletins, Jesus Paid It All. for you paying our ransom and that that you have paid it all for all of us lord and all we need to do is ask for forgiveness and it's freely given and we thank you lord for your miracles that point out and show what a wondrous savior that you are and how much you care for the details of our life and how much you have all things in control we pray that our longings would be heavenly and that we would be willing to live our lives in truth, ready to receive the things of God, Lord. We thank you especially for this day. Be with us in this time in our nation and watch over us in our state and in our local communities, Lord. And we just pray for the world also that your hand would be in on those people who love you, Lord. Protect them and watch over them. Lord, and just be with them, we ask. May we feel your presence near. May you bring us back to this place safely. We thank you for each and every day and all you've done for us. In your name, amen.